0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Rabbi Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class is dedicated in loving memory of Lydia Oyster, uh, nishmat. Lydia Corina bat Ber- Bernardina, Alea Shalom. sponsored by Avi Oster, his sister Alina, and his brother Ari. Uh, Breakfast in the Class also dedicated in loving memory of Mrs. Lily Safra, Lydia Nishmat, Leah Badovakon Vechana whose philanthropy has reached so many throughout the world. Uh, dedicated also by Yehuda and Yehudit, Yovitz, in loving memory of Nishmat, their beloved son Mordechai ben Yehuda, Haim, Ruach Ha'alemaiten, Echeo, Eden. As well, dedicated in loving memory of Stephen Ades, Alav Ha'Shalon, Lunez ben Esther, sponsored by his mother, Esther, Ades, and family. Uh, and sponsored by Emmanuel Zara, dedicated in honor of Bobby Shamsian and his family. Thank you for your friendship and your kindness. Uh, sponsored by Yossi Levy as a seudat Hodaa, And as well by Jack Zabidi as a seudat Hodaa, And dedicated in honor of Haron Shochet, thanking him for all that he does for our community. Uh, in loving memory of Adele Habusha, Lilo Nishmat Aziza Rosa, Sponsored by her daughter, uh, Racheline uh, Habusha. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And as well dedicated in loving memory of Amy Hebride, Lilo Nishmat. Gitol bracha bat al Leah, an amazing mother, wife, daughter and friend during the week of her askara. We love you and miss you, Jimmy and Nathan Haber. As well, the week of breakfast in the class is dedicated for the health and happiness of their family and for the shidduchim of their children, sponsored by doctors Habib and Rhonda Manos. And finally, the week of Kobu was sponsored by David E. Ash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to good today and every day. Um, I also would like to wish, on a personal level, uh, our family shrunk from six to three in a matter of one week. Uh, my two daughters that are married went back to Israel uh, to study and Be'ezat uh, Hashem to become great Talmidei Chachamim, to become Rabbanim in Eretz Israel. And as well, my daughter, I dropped off yesterday, uh, Rachel, to a year in seminary uh, in Dar Chivina, so we're wishing her a tremendous year of growth, of, uh, of tremendous experiences, uh, Hashem. And now we have three kids left in that, and then there were three, uh, to, to, quote, to quote the name of the book. Okay, my friends, um, I, uh, I wanted to, if I could draw uh, attention today to an interesting confluence of two ideas. We are now in Rosh Chodesh Elul, it was wonderful to be able to sit, sit in the synagogue and to sing Selichot with all of you today. Uh, we even had uh, uh, the women who represented uh, up in the Azat Hashim, um, Azaku Baruch. But to sing Selichot, to ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu for forgiveness, and to enter into the mindset of Teshuvah that comes along with Elul. So I wanted to share the concept of where Elul and Teshuvah uh, intersects with a fantastic idea on the Pirashah. You know, the parashat that we're reading now is parashat Shoftim, uh, which talks about setting up judges at all the gates of the Jewish people to ensure that justice is carried out in all of the Jewish uh, provinces and all the Jewish towns. So the Torah mentions specifically setting up judges and policemen uh, in, uh, in, in the Jewish cities. We're not a defund the police type of a group, us Jewish people, okay? we uh, We want to put... Shoterim, uh, shofetim, in every place there should be justice carried out in all of the corners uh, uh, of the Jewish people. But the Baalei Musar teach uh, a, perhaps a little bit more of a nuanced concept. Not a national a requirement, not a civic requirement that the people need to set up judges, but rather shofetim titen lecha b'chol in your own gates. At the openings of your own body, what am I looking at? What am I putting in my mouth? What's coming out of my mouth? Which words am I saying? Am I being truthful? Am I being negative? Am I listening to La Shonara? Am I listening to something which is inappropriate? Maybe listening to negative talk about people or about things. You know, it is a truism that when someone listens to enough negative talk, that they begin to speak in the same manner. So, even if, by the way, there's no connection between the negative talk that you heard all day long, there's your coworker sitting talking negatively about someone at work, you were in the mindset of finding fault in people. So, you'd carry on that negative talk into your own home. You start speaking negatively about your parents, about your wife. So, at all of your openings, you decide what you let in and what you don't let in. And to me, I think that is a huge part of the process of teshuvah. And let me explain what I mean when I talk about these uh, judging these openings uh, and putting judges and policemen at these openings with regard to the process of teshuvah. Our rabbis tell us that the process of teshuvah really has four distinct steps. The four distinct steps as discussed by HaRambam uh, uh, by are harata, a person in order to achieve Teshuvah, they need to regret what they've done. You need to be remorseful. You need to actually feel bad, not want to carry on doing what you've done. So first thing is harata is regret. The second thing is, we all know, is right, uh, um, azivat achet. Now that you regret the sin, you have to leave it. There's lots of people who regret the sin, but never leave the sin. And what does that really tell you? It tells you that you don't regret the sin that you've you've done enough. You know, the famous adage goes that addicts don't change until they hit rock bottom. So it's not only in drugs and alcohol that there's a rock bottom. It's also when it comes to negative behavioral patterns. So when we've done something and we tell ourselves, it's not that bad, you know what? I do, you know, I, do, I tend to speak Lashon arah You know, I, I don't turn up to praying, but it's not that bad. I come enough. There comes a point where a person looks back and they're thinking to themselves, oh my gosh, when was the last time I came to synagogue? And at that point, when it seems unreasonable, an unreasonable amount of time, at that point, you course correct. So when we talk about Harata, we talk about a Harata that flows into Aziva. So a regret that flows into leaving that sin. If it doesn't cause you to leave, in many ways, you haven't experienced a regret which is deep enough. In the vidui, we say that we've done these sins, and it was not worth it for us. And my Rabbi Rav Berkowitz used to point out that most people misunderstand what that sentence means. sounds tongue-in-cheek. Could you imagine... You know, you stole from somebody, and you go and you want to tell them, you know, I'm really sorry I stole from you. In the end, I didn't we even wind up making so much money. <laughs> wasn't worth it. The guy said, oh, that's why you're sorry? Because it didn't pan out for you? That's, that's why you're sorry? Imagine a judge, a judge, and there's a thief in front of him, and the guy's arrested because he tried breaking into a bank, and the guy says, look, Your Honor, I'm completely remorseful, I feel terrible. Why? because you know I got caught before I got into the bank. I walked away with nothing. <speaking in Hebrew> what are we saying to God when we say V'loh <speaking in Hebrew> So there's many interpretations as to what these words mean. But for the sake of today's class, I want to focus on one. V'loh <speaking in Hebrew> is a deep statement. It's not saying I didn't succeed in the sin. It's saying even if I did, was it really worth what I got out of the sin? Not it wasn't worth it, so you know what, I'm doing teshuvah because you know what, I didn't feel like I got anything out of it. But because even when I succeed, on a deep level, was that worth it? Was it worth becoming this type of a person in order to make that kind of a profit? Was it worth not being able to look myself in the mirror? Not to think highly of myself? To become the type of person that you always hated in your own life, Right? You got ripped off, you tell yourself, oh, well, I hate this guy. And then that became you, because you ripped off somebody else. And the same words that you'll say, it's not personal, it's just business. You've said that to someone else. Someone has said that to you. And you said to them, what a scumble. You, know, you think you think a scumbag, you think to yourself, you're such a low life, this guy, okay? You're that low life. On some level, what we're saying is, that behavior, shave means equal to. It's not equal to me. It doesn't fit me. It's not befitting the type of person I want to be. The amazing thing about this process of teshuvah is that actually what you're saying is, I'm not in the mud. I'm above the mud. This behavior is beneath me. I'm above it. It helps you do teshuvah from a place of strength. Now, because that's the case, so you move from regret to aziva, to leaving the sin behind. But the rabbis tell us that it's not over then. At that point a person needs to say vidui, they need to acknowledge their sin out loud. You know, statistics show that when a person can uh, articulate a change that they want to do. So if you think in your mind, I want to stop drinking, I'm drinking too much, I want to start eating healthy, I want to start exercising. If you say the words out loud, you are statistically more likely to actually achieve your goals. By the way, if you statistically say it out loud to someone else, to another, that increases the chances even more, because you're now held on some level accountable in the eyes of someone other than yourselves. So that the the third step is confessing, vidui, saying out loud the mistakes that I've made. But the last step is kabbalah al-hatid, which means to accept on yourself for the future not to do it. Now the question is, what's the difference between leaving the sin, I mean ostensibly forever, and kabbalah al-hatid, which means to accept on myself never to do it again. And I think that there's something here which Goes back to our short, 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 and You know, there was once a, a wagon driver who was an apprentice by the wagon driver in the town, and he worked really hard. He learned how to, you know, run the horses, how to change the wheels on the wagon. He learned, you know, how to navigate by the stars, and and uh, and he finally feels like he's ready. So he comes to the master wagoneer, and he says to him, you know, can I have my certificate that I'm a, you know, Eglon, I'm a, I'm a good wagon driver. The wagon driver says to, his, to the apprentice, he says, okay, sure. He says, but I have one question for you. And if you answer it correctly, then I'll know that you're ready to graduate. And he says, okay, what's, uh, what's, the, what's the question? He says, you know, you're driving, down a road, and you take a shortcut through a forest, through a muddy road, because you want to save some time to get the passengers there early, and you shortcut through this muddy road and it's raining, and the wheels now are stuck in the mud and it's so hard to get out. You know, what do you do? Anyway, the guy, the guy's thinking to himself, he's like, well, you know, you take wooden planks, you shove them under the wheels, and once you have some traction, you get the... The Wagoneer shakes his head, he says, you're not ready. He says, what do you mean? Isn't that what you do? That's what you're supposed to do. The Wagoneer looks at his student and he says, you know how I know you're not ready? You're not ready because you took a muddy road in order to take a shortcut for your passengers. The very first rule is don't get stuck in the mud so you don't have to get unstuck from the mud. Kabbalah al-Ha'atid means not just that I say to myself, I'll never do it again. That's part of Aziva, of leaving the sin, is that you're leaving it, you're leaving it forever, not leaving it for five minutes. You know, that guy used to say, uh, what's it called? He's uh, very, very overweight. Comes to the doctor, the doctor says, you really need to diet more. He says, you know what, doc, you're 100% right. Comes back, the doc weighs him, he's 10 pounds heavier. His doc says, did you, did you take my advice? He says, absolutely. He says, "Really, what's uh, what's your what? what, Tell me, what's your diet?" He goes, "I don't eat anything between meals." (laughs) Right? That obviously, right? This guy, you know, Azaku Baruch. You can't say to Hashem, "I'm going to leave the sin until the next time I sin." That's not what leaving it means. It means leaving it forever. At least making that conscious uh, decision. So, what's Kabbalah Le'Atid? Kabbalah means accepting on yourself something, some way, where you're going to circumnavigate the muddy road that keeps getting you stuck in it. So is v'shotarim tells you, you know what? The easiest way not to get stuck in the mud is never to travel on the muddy path. So set up sentries. Set up judges and policemen in front of your eyes. What are you looking at? that's going to get you in trouble. Right? What are you saying that's going to get you in trouble? Who are you listening to that's going to get you in trouble? What kind of relationships are you in that are going to get you in trouble? Who are you doing business with that's going to get you in trouble? If you think about Shofetim b'chol before you step through any door where is this taking me? That's what Kabbalah Le'atid, means. It means Thinking and making and accepting on myself something with the future in mind. The final step of Teshuvah is to adopt a future-thinking mindset. Let me give you an example. You know, there's many people in this life who think that freedom is the very best thing that a person can have. And the truth is, on some level, they're correct. So they don't want to be restricted in any way. Correct? I experienced something recently that made me restrict my own freedom. I noticed suddenly that there were what's called hard pulls on my credit report. So I don't know if you know what that means. It means that someone had uh, applied for a credit card using my name, my information, and it got to the point where the credit card company was actually checking my credit. That means that they had enough of my information to apply and to get the bank to check the right person's credit to be able to put out um, the card. So I know that some, someone has committed fraud, someone has stolen my identity, okay? And <clears throat> I don't know, maybe you'll see someone else giving classes soon. <laughs> I, don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe there'll be another Safra synagogue that has another rabbi. His name is, I don't know, I'm not sure how this will play out, but I'm, you know, I'm curious to see, right? Anyway, the, po- the point, <laughs> by the way, whoever you are out there, I'm going to send you all the annoying people who call me all the robo-calls, I'm going to give them, all right, fine. Either way, right, what's wild is I called up the, the, the credit. I said, I don't understand. So what am what, I what supposed to do now? The guy applied for a credit card. I had to call Chase to shut down the guy's credit card before it got, got to him. He could spend, I had to call Capital One to shut down another credit card request. What's the guy going to do next? Buy a house, buy a car on my, you know, using my credit card. What am I supposed to do? There's no way for me to know. I don't know who he is. The credit card company said something unbelievable. You know what they said? Change your identity. No. <laughs> I tried, by the way. I said, like, is Sammy Sutton available? They said, no, he's Mafi Mitlo. No one like him. You can try to steal Sammy Sutton's identity. They'll laugh in your face. <laughs> You're not jet-set, Sammy Sutton. What are you talking about? Okay? <clears throat> By the way, you know what Sammy Sutton's security question is? What time is the only minyan in Safra Synagogue in the morning? That's his secret security question. question. (laughs) The guy answers 6.30 and there's police outside his door immediately. Okay. So you know what they told me? They told me you could freeze your credit. That means that no one is able to apply for anything without having them specifically call you. You have to go through a bunch of questions. Meanwhile, I freeze my credit. What happens? Of course, I have to do something with my credit card. The credit card denies me, because I froze my own credit. <laughs> I see, I gotta call again. Unfreeze the credit that you froze in order. But you know what the answer is? The answer is, that was a limitation on my freedom It takes me more time. I'm held back. But it's a limitation on my freedom that helps me. When you stick a judge, when you start asking yourself these questions, before you get involved in a relationship, it's gonna cost you some relationships. But that's not a bad thing. It's gonna cost you some business jobs. I don't know what a business job is, but it's gonna cost you some jobs. It's gonna cost you some opportunities. Because you're going to ask yourself, is this the type of person that I want to get involved in? Is he the person that always tells the truth? Is he the type of person that's going to rip somebody off if I go into a partnership with him? Do I want my name associated with this person? You're going to lose opportunities. But when you think with a forward-thinking mindset, a future-thinking mindset, you protect yourself from being on muddy roads that it's difficult to get unstuck from. I had a girl, I had five girls. I don't mean that I had a girl. I was in a, I, I was in a classroom in a, school, in a high school in London, and a girl comes in, and she tells me, you know, I don't know what to do. Okay, what's the question? There's this big party, and you don't know what's happening in this party. All the teenagers are there, it's crazy, there's alcohol, there's drugs. I said, okay. She says, I'm trying to think. Like, I don't want to miss out on the party. Everyone's gonna be there. On the other hand, I know, there's drugs, there's alcohol, I might make terrible decisions, right? I make terrible decisions. So Rabbi, I just wanted to ask you, what do you think I should do? (laughs) It's like, I'm not sure I could answer this alone, let me escalate the question to Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, we might need some of the greatest minds in on this question, right? What is she saying? She's saying what goes on in all of our minds. I know this is the wrong thing to do, but I really want to do it. I really want to go. My friends are going to be there. People tell me, I want to keep kosher, Rabbi, but all my friends go to non-kosher restaurants. It's the same thing. We just need to ascertain for ourselves Do I want to be in the restaurant when they're pressuring me? Oh, come on, stop being like that. I'm now uncomfortable. I'm now putting myself in a situation where I don't want to be in this situation. Don't put yourself in that situation. Kabbalah al-hatid is not just a acceptance on the future. It's accepting that I need to be thinking with a future-based model. Those are the people uh, that actually do uh, incredible things with their lives. And I'll end with this. The Mishnah and Avot says um, that the Anshek and they instituted three things. And one of the things that they said was, Asu sayag la Torah. Make a fence for the Torah. The last step of Teshuvah turns us all into fence builders. It helps us think proactively. If I could put a fence around something, like remember when we used to play, what was it, Sims? You know, when you built the city, the town? If I could put a fence around something that would stop me from going somewhere. If I know that I spend too much money, you know? The worst financial decision I might say I personally make is when I go shopping on a fast day. Anyone here have to do that? You go to the grocery store, come back with 94 bags. Your wife is like, why? what, is it? what? It's just, what are we doing? Because you, you're shopping in a weakened state. You're hungry. You're making bad decisions. So offense is, make sure, Chana, that you don't ever send me shopping for food on a fast day. No problem. You want to send me to the lumber yard? Good. I'm good. Anywhere else, I could do any other errands. But not for food. I shop with my eyes. Many times in life, we are shopping with our eyes. And we're choosing the beautiful girl over the right girl. The beautiful looking opportunity over the smart opportunity. The short term, you know, the sizzle, you know, and not, uh, and not the steak. Hashem should bless us be'azrat Hashem to be zokhe, to understand the nature of shofatim yishotim tenlecha sharecha. And thereby to be able to uh, fulfill the final step in the process of teshuvah, charata, aziva, uh, vidui, and kabbalah le'atir. and then actually our teshuvah will be something which will be long-lasting indeed. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen. V'amen.